Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in Production. I am your host, Art Aldridge. I'm in Los Angeles at the famous Roosevelt Hotel. And with me tonight, Lou Lita from DVNC. Hello, good to be back. And first time appearance on This Week in Production, Mr. John Carrera. Thanks for having me. John, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? We don't really know who you are. I don't know who you are. <laughs> Where'd you come from? <laughs> I just showed up. Who let you in? <laughs> um, well, my name is John uh, Carrera. Um, actually, I've been a professional videographer and Steadicam owner and operator for, wow, for a long time. Probably going on at least 18 years, maybe. That sounds about right. Yeah. Since, uh, you know. What are you, 20, 22 now? Well. Well, I started in high school, actually, video production, yeah, and then went into college and got a degree in it, and I've been doing it ever since, and uh, I'm also a local 600 union member. And you know Lulita. I do. We've gone way back. I don't know that I know the story about how you two know each other. I, I can't remember the first time we met, but if it weren't for Johnny, I wouldn't be doing Glidecam for you right now. He's wow. sort of the one that uh, got me my first Glidecam, maybe, I don't know, nine, ten years ago. Yeah, we, we <laughs> kind of met each other through Tom Chartrand. Yeah, Tom Chartrand. And then we started doing stuff for um, oh, we uh, worked advertising on, Yeah, company. we worked on some agency productions and shoots. And, yeah, that was a long um, time. I've hired you to do some shoots and stuff for me, and our paths cross. Sometimes we don't see each other for months. Sometimes we're working together for three or four days in a row. Yeah. I wanted to talk tonight about um, traveling with equipment. Um, we all travel a lot. We travel together. We travel separately. I know that I have my own little routines and methods for traveling with equipment. I'm curious to hear both of your takes on it. You know, I'm talking about leaving the confines of, you know, maybe your studio, not even necessarily going by car. I'm, I'm really talking about either shipping your gear in a commercial truck like a UPS or FedEx or bringing it as checked luggage or carry-on luggage, as it may be, uh, on a plane. Well, you know, having done production now for over 30 years, I've, I've had my share. I would say I don't travel with as much gear as I used to. I certainly, you know, now that I do a lot of work with you and you have a sprinter and you have most of the gear, I'm somewhat limited to just bringing batteries, maybe small cameras, a few accessories, a monitor. So kind of a non-factor, throw that on the carry-on bag, may or may not get checked uh, or stopped at um, TSA, but it's usually a non-issue. Um, in years prior, you know, I've traveled with green screens and seven, eight, nine cases, spent seven, eight, nine hundred dollars on overages um, just to know that I had my gear on the job and didn't have to think twice about where things were, if they worked, and but... You know, it was a huge pain, and it was. There's always the risk of something not showing up or something being damaged. I really, maybe at one time, had something break or it didn't show up, but I don't recall it ever actually, you know, totally screwing me. Now, do you have a method of packing? And this is for both of you. I mean, I have a method in the sense that I try to use dedicated, specific cases for specific equipment. 
it's easy for me to make sure all the pieces are in a case when everything has a, a designated place as opposed to a general backpack, just put the stuff in. And, you know, sometimes you forget what's in there, sometimes you don't. I would say in the past three or four years, I've really converted a lot of my cases over to JSON cases. JSON cases, if you haven't used them, are um, pre-printed, uh, internal, compartmentalized pelicans for very specific either cameras or monitors they have you know so they cut it out to the shape that you they need cut mm-hmm. it out for very specific uses so like for my varicams i have a jason case with the varicam foam insert and it's it's all printed it tells you what bin is for what piece and it's very very easy to make sure all your gear not only gets packed to go out to the job but sometimes you have other people putting it away and if it's labeled, it's really hard to mess that up. I, I'd like to say I'm, I'm that uh, proficient and uh, anal about it. But again, not traveling as much now with gear. Uh, I, I, and I have a few stories about traveling, certainly out of the country. Typically, you know, I try to minimize how many bags, not only for cost, but just logistically when we get there, having enough room for people and equipment and a vehicle. So I tend to go for the stuff it in... A, a, as big a case as possible and get super clever um kind of like um i don't know what's that game Te- tetris maybe where you're just trying to place everything just so and using batteries and socks and you know towels and foam just to get everything in there and packed and tight and preferably under 50 pounds so um i can't tell you it's perfect but if it gets there in one piece i can take it apart and then i now can consolidate things you know, I've done a number of shoots in the Caribbean, in like um, the Bahamas or Jamaica or, you know, a few other places where, as you know, there's some logistics as far as getting equipment into a country and having to have paperwork and exact values on things. It reminds me of one story where we were in Jamaica doing a tourism video for Jamaica and we brought a bunch of equipment. We got there and they decided they wanted like $20,000 for us to come into the country to shoot a video for them, for their tourism. And we were kind of stuck and somebody went in, had a conversation a few minutes later, everything was taken care of. Now Did what you happened? You, you're making me crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you never know when you go to some of these countries, uh, it frightens me a little bit because no matter how much you planned, you just don't know what's gonna happen. And then of course, leaving the country, you know, you got to go through all that as well. That's funny. I had a job a while back where I was traveling into Budapest and we weren't sure. And, and we never had traveled there before. So we were pretty, you know, unaccustomed to their processes. So I hired a, a fixer and, you know, fixer, if you don't know, is someone who lives in that particular country who can help you with um bribes or paperwork yeah, like a guide basically a guy yeah. who's you know maybe connected at the airport he takes customs, care of things takes yeah. care of things can steer you around trouble so i hired a fixer to make sure we got through we go and you know get all our stuff from baggage we go to leave the airport and there's no one at customs at all like nobody to say this gear came in and when it comes back you know it came in with me there was nothing and i didn't want to leave the airport i was like i need some stamp on a piece of paper that says 
I came in with this because I was thinking now when I come back, <laughs> they're going to be like, no, we have no record. Nope. Yeah, that's Hold ours now. <laughs> but, 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 but. Johnny, what do you do? What's your method for packing equipment? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head is being organized first. And I think every job is is specific. So you got to judge it on what you need to accomplish, what you need to bring. And I'm a very, like, I like to bring only things that I will use. And if there's workarounds, I think about the workarounds with the gear I have. As opposed to bringing all my light kits, maybe I'll just bring brackets that I can put lights on. Smaller, you can put it on a table, anywhere. You, you got to judge every job, every traveling job, what it is specifically. And that will help you be organized and uh, pack only what you need. Because, you know, you can also... You know, there's things, there's rental houses everywhere, too. If worse comes to worse, if you forgot something, you can mm. always find that, too. And, um, I, and I find, like, renting light stands or C-stands or tripods, that makes more sense to rent there versus paying overage fees. There, there are definitely certain pieces of equipment where I am willing to take a risk on a rental item. Batteries are not one of them. No. If you heard the podcast about lithium ions and the, and the PAG and... The whole story there, I won't repeat mm. it, but I don't trust batteries. Yeah, I don't. I, I, batteries frighten me. Even tripods, <laughs> I don't trust. I'd rather travel with my own. But as you say, Lou, C-stands, things like that, that are kind of a commodity. I'm okay mm. renting. Plus, they're just a pain to, you know, bring a C-stand on an airplane. They are. You know, it's just a real... It doesn't fit in your backpack. It doesn't. Well. It doesn't. <laughs> now, now, John, do you subscribe to the Lou Lita philosophy of just putting stuff all in a bag Without, no, I like to have some organization. You know, you got to keep an inventory too of what you take, and you want to make sure it comes back. Just what we were talking do you, about. Do you before. make paper notations about what's in each case? If I was with other individuals that were using my gear, yes, I probably would. Uh, like you said, you label a lot of things, which is excellent, so everybody else knows where it goes. Um, but that, if I'm, that's the biggest problem I have is that when I am not the only one touching mm. the gear. I mean, that has probably the biggest pet peeve I have is when I go through the trouble of packing something and labeling it and even going through and putting a contents of the case sheet in the lid, and then p the people who pack it back up have no regard. And then I go and take the case for another job, and if I haven't gone through it carefully enough, which sometimes when you have a short turnaround mm -hmm. thing... You're like, oh, this is my audio kit. Everything is in here. And then you realize that someone left, you know, the double A's out or the mic clip is. It's the little stuff that burns you, like a, a Sackler plate or, a, you know, a cable for quarter a charger. Quarter 20 screw. Quarter 20 <laughs> screw. It's like, I, yeah. I, you know, again, I've now learned if I rent my gear out or I let somebody borrow it, the first thing I do is look for that stuff. And invariably, something's missing or is put back somewhere else. Yeah which is really annoying, especially if you didn't check and you go to your shoot and you know how you're immediately in the frenetic mode and something's not there and you panic and then you realize it was stuck in another side pouch. Let's talk about airlines in particular. And again, the whole lithium battery crisis really has changed the way I pack and carry gear on a plane. But how do you decide what's gonna go as checked baggage versus what is going as carry-on baggage? I think is what you're willing to part with the most. <laughs> well, let's say, let's say that you have two children that you love equally 
<laughs> and you have to check one of them, and one of them's going to get carried on. How do you decide? That sounds like a great movie. I guess Johnny's have, Choice. You'll have to check the hour meter on each one. <laughs> <laughs> what but, if they're twins? That's true. Um, but yeah, you just you have to think there is a possibility you might not see this gear ever again, and you're probably going to go through hoops to get it from an airline. Um, that's the thing. You need to prioritize. Obviously, you want to take the most expensive pieces of equipment with you all the time. Um, that's my, my philosophy. You know, it's always with me, the most important things, you know, because there's a but chance. How, it but how do you decide what's most important? Now, I'm just well, asking because, like, for me, I have all my gear pretty much is expensive. And I almost look at it like what is easiest to steal? Hmm. And then I put that in the carry-ons. Yeah. And, you know, if it's a giant tripod, yes, someone could steal it. And, yes, it is worth, you know, $10,000. But the likelihood that someone's going to go through the trouble of stealing it just because it's big and clumsy is, I would say, less likely. So what's your philosophy there? And your insurance broker is listening to this right he now. He is. Oh, geez. I can't As put it As is Dewey Cheatham and how. <laughs> If I'm really concerned about it, too, I also put things in not obvious, like we talked about this earlier, about not putting high-end gear in high-end cases. Does that make sense? Where if someone in, in the baggage claim sees it, they know there's something expensive inside of it. So if there's any way you can conceal it, we talked about, as opposed to using tripod tubes that say like Sackler on it or Vintin, use a golf bag. Because they probably see golf bags all the time mm. or golf cases. And they can just, eh, whatever. You know, so it's almost like hiding what you really have in the cases. You're putting something really expensive in something that look that doesn't look expensive. Does that okay. make sense? It does for a tripod too, but I'm curious now. I, so I trust most of my gear in Pelicans. I don't know that I would put it in something less conspicuous for fear that the case might fail. Yeah. Well, it depends what you're putting in there. Yeah, too. that's the thing. Like I said, uh, the most important some piece light, of equipment. Some lightweight light stands. I, again, those are easily replaced and yeah. don't kill you. If you can hide them. them in a carry-on. But, but either but way, they it's going to be inspected. All these cases are inspected, are they not? They are. So we, we believe they are. We although typically when I get to my location, I see TSA TSA that this has been open and inspected. But I find out they'll do that more with high-end cases. They'll see a high-end case and they'll open it, and they'll put the their um, you know their stamp of approval inside right. of it. But if you hide it in a normal, you know, everyday luggage, big luggage container, and you hide it, wrap it up in you know some clothes or some foam out of your cases, I I just think it, people just are not looking for it. It's just so commonplace; mm -hmm. they're not going to realize that something. But to you know, Art's point, you know, you're going to trust yeah. something really expensive like lenses or camera. Well, that would always come with me. That's just right. my rule. So it's just what your what your yeah your you threshold of pain. You only have two carry-ons, John. You have four pieces of expensive <laughs> gear, and you've got thirty seconds to decide. Sophie's choice. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's like I said. It's a, every job will call for different things. Uh, you have to judge that before you're packing your gear for before the trip mm. now you know? one thing that i'm surprised that more video people don't know about is the media baggage policies mm. of the airlines and then every airline's different i can only speak to united but united's policy for media bags is that they will put as many bags as you have with 
the appropriate media credential on the plane for $50 a bag. And the only limitation that I've run into, and it, it varies on this one, they have to be under 70 pounds. I have checked heavier cases, but sometimes they freak out because they don't have a, a paper label for anything above 70. Oh. And I really stumped someone once. I'm like, well, it came here on your plane, and it weighed the same. Don't they just put that yeah. sticker that says heavy on it? Yeah, but each one is color-coded. Oh, I didn't know that. So to have a proper media credential, all it needs to be is a photo ID with your name on it. And actually, for the guys that travel with me all the time, mm -hmm. I went to Staples, and I just got blank uh, badges made up that said media, official media and then i sent them out blank i said go and get a passport photo and get it laminated yep. or put it in a sleeve yeah. and they take that as a media credential yeah i know sometimes they take even two business cards sometimes they will absolutely every airline's a little different mm, but yeah. you know it just has to have your name on it and something that says your media yeah and you can put you know really as many cases as you want on the plane which is a huge huge factor for me if i had to pay you know the airline rates at, at oh it's crazy i wish i'd known this like 15 yeah. years ago when i was checking seven bags you know again the client was paying for it but still it's you're laying out the money and waiting 30 60 90 days to yeah. get get the money and, back you know, i experimented at one point because obviously traveling post 9 11 with all this stuff through the airports is a pain in the neck and i've talked about that on previous episodes but I experimented in shipping via like FedEx or UPS, um, shipping my gear to and from jobs. And the, the bottom line is that it's more expensive, way more expensive to get the gear there. And it's not as fast because yeah. the fastest it'll be is the next day. Yeah. And, and you're I, traveling with or, it. Or it might get there before you and it's sitting there right. somewhere. That's that's happened to us too. It's right. just sitting in a, in a in a hallway. Yeah. Like yeah. what? So so that doesn't really work for me, you yeah. know, as far as shipping. I mean, sometimes when it's not time sensitive, like mm, you I can do ship a, it to a hotel. I do a job in Alaska every year. Some of that gear comes back on FedEx because I just can't haul it all, and I know it's going to take three weeks from when I leave till I see it again. Yeah. But that's gear that I can you know yeah. stand to wait. Uh, until it gets back and you do need to factor as I mentioned earlier when you get to the location how many people are going to be with you as far as a car rental and you know you got to factor in how many people can go in the back of the van with the equipment yeah all of that factors in absolutely the other thing that I was just thinking about as we were talking about this is your and I'm sure you each have multiple stories but I'll ask you to think about one horror story in traveling with your gear on a plane but i'll tell you one of my horror stories and i'll give you guys an opportunity to think about your horror story but we were doing a job i don't remember if it was uh san francisco or la it was a, a storm that was coming through so the airport was very busy a lot of oversold you know and i don't know if that factored in or not but we went to the airport and i always get there early checked all the cases 20 something cases get on the plane and uh we get to i think it was san francisco and i get the notification as soon as we land it says some of your bags will not be on your flight i was mm -hmm. like okay 
So we wait, and basically all that got on the flight was the personal luggage bags. All of the road cases, all of them, were to be determined. They didn't know where they were. Now, I happened to stick a, uh, a tile, you know, the, the little tile mm. GPS tracking <laughs> things. I happened to have one in each of my camera boxes. So I got on tile, and I saw that it was in Newark. So I knew that the bags didn't make it. They didn't, United didn't know where the bags were. But that was just probably typical, you know, like we can't, so someone sees it. But now I'm in San Francisco. The job is the next day, and my cases are in Newark. And they're, they're like, they're not coming until tomorrow. We don't know when. We don't know what flight they're going to get on. We'll let you know. And I was, uh, you know, panicked. Up a creek without a paddle. Panicked. Now, yeah. how do you explain yeah. that to the client? Right. <laughs> it, it worked out okay because the, basically they came in that night, even though they didn't tell me that. I checked in the morning, like, yeah, your cases are at the airport in San Francisco. I'm like, okay, great. Come get them. Well, I came up with this. This was a horror story. And uh, I had my underwater camera and the housing and all my lights. And I had it in a bag, but I kept it with me on the plane. But the plane was small. Um, I think it was out of Newark. It was a smaller plane, and they couldn't fit it in the overhead. So they made me check it in. So I checked it in. I didn't want to because it's my camera. And sure enough, go, get into Providence, Rhode Island, no bag. The one I handed them at at the plane at the, didn't come. At the gate. At the gate. Didn't come. Wow. Yep. And I was it was I was dreading because it had all my cards. It had the underwater housing, oh my the camera, God. everything in there. And I was like, this is my worst nightmare. I did not. This was going to stay with me. That was that thing. Like, I always keep the most important thing with me. But I couldn't. It would not fit in this small compartment. And it was a nightmare. And I, you know, obviously in Providence, I said, I'm missing a case. You know, I was kind of tr trying to be cool. It wasn't the girl's fault. I obviously, I said, I know it's not your fault, you know, but this is a reason I didn't want this case to be put in the plane. You know, if you know what's inside there, you would cry like me. I was crying inside. It didn't show up. <laughs> and, um, you know, all it took was somebody to open the bag, look through it and take everything out of it. And I was, I went in the next day, hopefully it was coming, which it did, but I was dreading it was going to be empty. That brings up a good point that I am... Always now again, this is not a hundred percent because when you travel by plane, stuff happens. But I always know what aircraft I am flying on because when you're on what they call a regional, an RJ, the overhead bin space is much smaller. Oh, tiny, than, tiny than your typical seven thirty-seven or uh, Airbus three twenty. So I always know in advance as as far as what they publish, what plane I'm on what I'm going to be able to bring. And sometimes, like, I, we fly into Atlanta and uh, out of Newark on United, only, like, one flight out of six is on a wide body, a 737. All the rest are regionals. So I'll book my tickets based on a plane that I know I can fit overhead uh, carry-on oh, luggage in versus yeah. uh, anything just you know assuming you know you're just going to book it on schedule and not know what the aircraft is yeah i i remember one uh you know there's always the hassle of when you're when you're asked to 
pull your bag aside and go through all that when you've meticulously packed everything in a carry-on bag. And then they rip it all apart, the batteries, the wires, the cables, and ask, interrogate, why is this? And it's and even at this point in technology, I'm always shocked by, like, whoa, what's all this stuff for? Oh, what what is this thing? It's like, well, it's a camera or a stabilizer or microphones. And then you get into the whole conversation, like, all right, I, I just, I now need to go repack all this and go get something to eat, get on the plane and bring down my blood pressure. So there's always that that X factor on any time you travel. But I do remember years ago, I used to travel with a very large case for one of the bigger over-the-shoulder cameras. And I had gotten everything, I think there were seven bags checked, and everything had come out on the carousel except the camera. So that pit in your stomach at 10 o'clock at night in wherever I was, Detroit or Kansas City or somewhere, knowing I had an 8 a.m. shoot and I don't have a camera. Well, this is probably earlier in my career when I was not as savvy and didn't realize that they had put some of the bigger cases elsewhere. They didn't come right on the carousel. So, oh, you know, I'm the you. last one standing there and watching they like the one stray the bag or in another They room. were with the golf yeah. clubs or some of the other. That was last week, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that just, again, little reminders, little lessons that you get along the way. Don't panic. There are other places that equipment or that baggage or luggage could end up. So, um, I don't think I've lost anything. I've probably had a couple things break, nothing that killed a shoot. But there's always that fear until you see every piece that something could be missing and there could be trouble. Now, I've never had any gear stolen from the airline. Though one time you were talking about your experience on a regional jet. And I remember one time I was doing a job in, uh, in Indiana somewhere. I don't remember the city. But we flew in on a, a small, uh, we had a transfer, I think, flew from like one hub to another and had to take a connector flight. And it was a very small, it wasn't even an RJ, it was smaller than an RJ, it was like a six-seater. And it was the kind of plane where you walked out with your luggage onto the tarmac, mm. you put your bags in a designated area, and then they loaded them into the back of the right. plane, and then you, you know, spun the props, and everyone ran their feet, and the <laughs> plane would take off. Yeah, but do. And we were we were there to film this press conference with the governor of Indiana. We walk out. There was a whole thing about um, the plane being overweight, and they didn't want to put us on the plane. And actually, had to pull my rank. I said, "Well, I am a you know platinum flyer," and they looked to go, "Oh, yeah, okay, no." You're on. You, you're off. <laughs> okay. Membership has its privileges. Yeah, but but we so we bring the bags out and I watch them load them onto the plane, and we get into uh, whatever airport we flew into, and you know they walk you out off the tarmac and then you know they're gonna put the bags into the baggage belt and then you're gonna collect them inside, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and waiting and none of my bags are coming in, and. The, I went to the, the girl, and she was young, and I'm like, where are my bags? She goes, oh, they didn't make it on the plane. I go, what? <laughs> I go, I watched them put them on the plane that I flew in on. I said, if they're not here, it's because someone at the airport has stolen them. And I said, I'm going to call the police. About 30 seconds later, she goes, oh, no, we found your bags. <laughs> I'm like really, <laughs> they're in the back no. of my car. I'll get them. <laughs> I think you busted a. I think you had a sting operation. I, yeah. I could have. So I've never had anything stolen, though. I think maybe it was attempted once or twice. Yeah. 
but I have had things broken. I try and not put things in obvious, you know, you gotta, you can't trust everybody and to keep it in cases that don't say, Hey, I'm expensive in here kind of helps you out, but I know you want the protection also. Um, but there, you know, I get away with things of wrapping things in foam or even using my clothes. I wrap things that are important in my clothes. Mm. I just know. wrapped a slider today in yeah. my jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to carry it on. So I wrapped it all up in my clothes, put it in the center of my bag, wrapped more clothes around it. Now I haven't checked to see if it's okay yet. Cause yeah. I haven't unpacked, but yeah. the jeans you mean, right? Well, that's the priority. Yeah. Nothing becomes between me and my Jordash. Yeah. You know, nowadays cameras and um, gear are getting smaller and smaller. So I think it's getting easier and easier. Mm. As opposed to, you know, big cases. I remember when I used to work for ABC, I'd have to take the camera on the plane with me and it was in between my legs. Mm. I, I couldn't even move. You know, I have this big uh, M2, yeah. Panasonic M2. In a Porter Brace case. Not even in a case, just the camera. <laughs> like, this is like yeah, crazy. Yeah. It was so big. I've, you know? I had gotten into a couple of exchanges with some of the stewardesses about, you know, things that couldn't fit under the exactly yeah. and they wouldn't fit in the overhead and I couldn't really just have it on my lap. And it's like, but I can't check this. It's yeah. a camera. It's like $50,000. And one, one other little rub or point of pain, let's call it a point of pain in traveling with your carry-ons especially if you're flying on an airline where you don't have status or you don't have priority boarding and you know that's a sold out flight, you're in like the back boarding group and you know there's not going to be any overhead bins left for your expensive mm. gear. What is your move? Uh, my move is to not have to hand it to be checked. So I do whatever I can to avoid that or I, I just try to put a jacket over something and stuff it carefully and use my legs to block it, even though it doesn't completely fit under the seat, uh, or just beg, please, it's too expensive. Or you can just cheat a group number, like the, a group, you know, try and get, we're boarding a group, oh, I'm an A. What, well, I don't, you don't always know, I mean. What, what I've done, and it burned me once, but what I've done when I don't have status they say if anyone needs extra time going down the jetway, like the old ladies and the oh, you do the women, limp. Well, I I will do that. I will go and board like, and but one get time, the wheelchair. One time I was in an exit row seat. I had scored an exit row uh -oh. seat, and the lady, when I said I needed extra time to get down the jetway, she looked at my ticket and she says, "Oh, you can't see the emergency row." Oh, I'm feeling better. <laughs> But I did get my camera in the overhead, so that so was, was a really all that mattered. But I, this is to, all time. You have to use whatever tactics you need to make sure you get your... And, and that is one reason why I maintain loyalty with a single airline, mm. because I do get those status And benefits. all those little things add up. They do. When you travel with gear, you can't ever be at a you know compromising position. You got you to plan properly. Yes. Plan, plan, plan. Proper planning prevents poor performance. Right, PPPP. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to propose a little toast. Right. Tonight, although, we're although drinking... Although I just had my last sip. We're drinking the, the Don Julio Reposado. Mm, right here on Hollywood Boulevard. Cheers to all those who travel, those mm. who grind it out on the road. The road warriors. With your gear, sometimes lost, sometimes broken, but never forgotten. Never forgotten. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. It would be even better if you could add something to the conversation. Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 
601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on this week in production. Thanks for listening.